MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 2nd, 2021. Today, new details in the Matt Gates story. An ongoing study shows the Pfizer vaccine is effective for at least six months. An op-ed from Barb McQuaid on the trial of Derek Chauvin. Georgia passes a retaliatory bill raising taxes on Delta Airlines. Texas advances a voter suppression bill. Biden holds his first cabinet meeting. Billions in new Obamacare benefits are now available on healthcare.gov. New York files hate crime charges against a man who attacked an Asian American woman in a viral video. A California man that used a stun gun on Capitol Police has been arrested and charged. Georgia's Republican Party is accused of accepting illegal in-kind campaign contributions. Virginia's governor announces his support for sweeping voting rights bills. Hillary Clinton supports repealing the filibuster for voting rights. Biden is reviewing his executive authority to cancel the student debt. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Holy smokes. It is quite a news day. We have so many breaking headlines, so many newses for you. Uh, And it's Friday, which means Amy Carrero will be joining us for the good news in a bit. And thanks for joining me on the Stereo App Live every Thursday with Dana and every Tuesday with Andrew Torres, both at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. So uh, we're going to go over Gatesgate in the A block. Then I have a block on voting rights and some other headlines, followed by all the other headlines today. And then we'll wrap it up with the good news. There's just so much going on. I went to the dentist today. I just got back. I'm still numb. So if I slur my words or if I sound funny, that is why uh, I know Dana is laughing somewhere at me. So uh, anyway, we have a a big show with lots of headlines to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everybody, let's kick this off with Max Headroom, Quagmire Butthead, Matt Gates, and his ongoing saga. Within the last 48 hours, since the New York Times first reported that Matt was under investigation for sex trafficking a minor, the story has caught fire and has evolved rather quickly, a breakneck pace, actually. Matt Gates immediately came out swinging, trying to muddy the waters and confuse the fuck out of everyone. This is a Bannon-style tactic. We've seen it multiple times during the former guy's administration. By Thursday, more reporting came out to provide context, and we went over a lot of that on yesterday's show, too. But the story is still... Coming out, it's still breaking news, but a lot of stuff is coming into focus. We now know that there are two federal investigations here, one into Matt for sex trafficking and one into the possible extortion of the Gates family over the sex trafficking investigation. While Don Gates may have worn a wire, and while there may be recordings of conversations about a request to fund an effort to find a U.S. hostage in Iran named Levinson... Uh, There's a lot of things still going on, and now there's also the investigation is including uh, campaign finance violations. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and guess there was no threat made by anyone to expose Matt Gates because the investigation was going to come out anyways, and apparently tons of people knew about it. Besides the conversation... um, that happened uh, that they may have on tape, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, it probably just went like this. Hey, hey there, Don Gates, if you fund our efforts to get Levinson back, front us the money, you and your son could be heroes, which might get your son out of legal peril, which he's already in. Uh, and the reward for finding Levinson is $25 million, so we can reimburse you for fronting that money. So give us $25 million, we'll help your kid. That's probably the conversation that went on, if if it indeed happened at all. But whether there was extortion or not, 
I doubt it. Um, I've been wrong before. But regardless, despite all that, Matt Gates is under investigation for child sex trafficking and now campaign finance violations. We're learning is under inve- investigation for that at the Justice Department um, because they're looking into whether he misused campaign funds to pay for travel and expenses for an underage girl, which is a serious violation of campaign finance law. Now, Gates says he paid for no travel or hotels for anyone under the age of 18. But if that's true and he didn't traffic a minor for commercial sex acts, he may have used the campaign funds to pay for the 18-year-old to travel so he could have sex with her. And that's also illegal, Matt. That is illegal. Additionally, according to the Washington Examiner, uh, another part of the plan pitched to Don Gates included a pardon, quote, in exchange for the funds being arranged and upon the release of Mr. Levinson, the team that delivers Mr. Levinson to the president of the United States shall strongly advocate that President Biden issue a presidential pardon or instruct the Department of Justice to terminate any and all investigations involving Congressman Matt Gates. That's wholly idiotic. Biden has been on the record saying, look, I don't tell the attorney general what investigations to stop and start, and he would likely not pardon Matt Gates. Um, it also seems really stupid for Gates to want a pardon if he's committed no crimes, if that were true. Anyway, this document, which we should take with a grain of salt, also asserts that the FBI knows there are pictures of Gates and another elected official in a, quote, sexual orgy with underage prostitutes. This would be a bizarre claim to make while trying to falsely extort someone if they knew such pictures didn't exist. They'd have no reason to go along with this scheme, right? Like if somebody came up to you and says, hey, I got pictures of you in an, in an orgy with underage prostitutes and you didn't do that, you'd be like, kick, kick rocks, pound sand. I'm not going for it. But so far, what we can see of this plot doesn't point to a sophisticated effort, really. The document is poorly edited and as argued above, it makes an implausible offer for a presidential pardon. So what is Gates up to? Here's what Raw Story says, and I quote, One possibility was suggested by a notable moment in his Fox News interview with Tucker Carlson. When Carlson asked Gates when he first became aware of the sex crimes investigation into him, he refused to answer the question. The New York Times reported the investigation began in the summer of 2020, but Gates insisted um, that he wanted to focus on the middle of March 2021. And that's when he first became aware of the extortion scheme. He also tried to suggest the FBI is trying to cook up false charges against him. And yet, if Gates really thought the FBI was trying to frame him for a crime, why would he go to the FBI when he thought he was being extorted? It's just weird. Now, Gates may be trying to conflate the bizarre request from McGee which uh, he claims is extortion, with the investigation into his potential sex crime to kind of muddy the waters, like I said before, that Bannon tactic, and protect his reputation. But uh, since the highest levels of the Trump Justice Department were aware of the investigation into Gates, it's hard to believe that it was entirely fabricated. Uh, It seems more plausible that it's a serious investigation, uh, though we don't know yet if charges will result. Um, But this investigation spurred a bizarre and potentially... uh, not criminal request for a separate from a separate party to see if they could, you know, help him out by finding Levinson. Gates seems to be taking a page from Trump's playbook and litigating his defense in the media rather than sticking with the advice most lawyers would give. Keep your mouth shut. Uh, (laughs) Gates is a lawyer, actually, uh, although he's been, uh, you know, in trouble a few times with the Florida bar. But this means he wants to wage a propaganda war against any potential charge coming. So if he can make the public think he's being targeted as part of an extortion plot, that might work for him. Now we have some new breaking news just this minute uh, from CNN. Gates showed nude photos of women he said he'd slept with to lawmakers. 
Gates gained a reputation in Congress over his relationships with women and bragging about his sexual escapades to his colleagues. That's from multiple sources telling talking to CNN. Gates allegedly showed off to other lawmakers photos and videos of nude women he said he had slept with, including while on the House floor. The sources, including two people directly shown the material, said Gates displayed the images of women on his phone and talked about having sex with them. One of the videos showed a naked woman with a hula hoop, according to one source. It was a point of pride, one of the sources said about Gates. Nancy Pelosi has come out now and said, if, you know, if, if this is true, taking him off of the Judiciary Committee is the least we can do about this. But we will stay on top of this story. I'm sure more is going to come out. It's coming out every minute. But we do have more headlines today. President Joe Biden has asked Education Secretary uh, Miguel Cardona to prepare a memo on the president's legal authority to cancel student debt by executive order. That's according to White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain. Uh, And this is amid growing pressure from the administration and from others to the administration to address the student loan crisis. In an interview with Politico, Klain said Biden would make a decision on how to proceed once he reviews the memo, which could be sent to his desk within the next few weeks. Quote, he'll look at that legal authority, he'll look at policy issues around that, and then he'll make a decision. He hasn't made a decision on that either way. In fact, he hasn't yet gotten the memos that he needs to start to focus on that decision. Klain's comments come as Democrats on the Hill are pressuring Biden to cancel up to $50,000 in student debt via executive order. Lawmakers have conceded they lacked the needed Republican support to pass a bill that would do so. Biden has voiced support for canceling up to $10,000 of student debt, but has said he doesn't think that he has the legal authority to unilaterally wipe out as much as $50,000 without congressional action. More than 40 million Americans are estimated to have a student loan, and the Federal Reserve estimates in the third quarter of 2020 Americans owed more than $1.7 trillion in student loans. Studies show that students of color are more likely to take on student debt and disproportionately struggle to pay it back. Proponents of student debt cancellation have argued that the president has the authority to cancel student loans under the Higher Education Act of 1965, which first granted the Secretary of Education the authority to back student loans. Biden has already exercised that authority, proponents of debt cancellations argue, by pausing student loan payments during the coronavirus pandemic. So they're saying you can pause it, you can cancel it. That's according to the Higher Education Act of 1965. Something you will not hear the mainstream media outlets talking about with regards to this news, though, is the provision that Elizabeth Warren and Bob Menendez added to the American Rescue Plan, which is now the law. The provision makes any college loan forgiveness tax-free, ensuring borrowers whose debt is fully or partially forgiven are not saddled with thousands of dollars in surprise taxes. The average student borrower who earns $50,000 in income would save about $2,200 in taxes for every $10,000 of forgiven student loans. So if you got $50,000 forgiven, that's over 10 Gs. That's $12,000 that you would not have to pay in taxes. Now, keep that in mind as we hear more news about Biden potentially canceling student debt via executive order and as this memo comes in from the Secretary of Education. Also, some good news on the Pfizer front. The ongoing phase three clinical trial of Pfizer-BioNTech's coronavirus vaccine confirms its protection remains high for at least six months after the second dose. Uh, Protection likely lasts even longer than that, vaccine experts say, but they say having data showing good protection for six months after people were vaccinated is good news. The vaccine remains more than 91% effective against disease with any symptoms for six months, uh, the companies said in a statement. And it appeared to be fully effective against the worrying B1351 variant of the virus, which is the dominant strain circulating in South Africa, which researchers feared had evolved to evade the protection of vaccines. But nope, Pfizer protects against it too. 
Finally, nearly everyone with an Affordable Care Act health plan can now qualify for increased financial help with premiums by going back to the website. Many Americans who buy their own insurance outside the ACA marketplaces may also qualify for substantial help and may benefit from reviewing options and switching to an eligible plan. Uninsured Americans also qualify. For some, the savings could be significant. A 64-year-old who earns $30,000 a year, for example, would see a monthly premium drop to $85 from $195 for a mid-level plan. And a family of four that earns $40,000 would go from paying $136 to nothing. Uh, About a third of uninsured Americans will qualify for financial assistance if they sign up. Nearly 6 million will be able to find free health plans. That means the government will fully pay their monthly premium. I'll be right back with uh, news on voting rights. We have a lot more headlines to get to, so stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG from The Daily Beans, and this episode of The Pod is brought to you by Caliper CBD. We've all heard it's important to practice self-care, but taking care of yourself shouldn't add to your stress. That's why I recommend trying Caliper CBD. If you haven't tried CBD, the great thing is it helps you feel better without having to make drastic changes to your routine. Caliper CBD helps me sleep easier and feel more calm. And this past January, Colorado State University published their first peer-reviewed study to compare how different CBD products on the market are absorbed and processed by the body. Caliper CBD was found to deliver 30 times more CBD than oils in the first 30 minutes. Caliper really has introduced a much better way to consume CBD. I love their easy-to-use powder. Unlike oils and tinctures, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless. It mixes easily in any food or drink. And with precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, you know exactly how much you're getting. I like to put it in my morning coffee. And, you know, Caliper CBD comes in affordable 30 and 60 count packs. So you have a variety there. And Caliper is completely THC-free, so there's no mind-altering effects. And it's made with all natural, non-GMO ingredients without fillers or added chemicals or artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but also make it easy on yourself with Caliper CBD. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code dailybeans at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. And if you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code dailybeans for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia has cleared the way for a landmark voting rights bill to become law in his state this Thursday, announcing his approval of a sweeping proposal that recreates one of the core components of the Federal Voting Rights Act of 1965 that has since been gutted by the Supreme Court. The bill, called the Virginia Voting Rights Act, would recreate a process known as preclearance for any changes to election administration and logistics that would impact voting. Any locality in Virginia wishing to make changes to precinct locations, move election offices, or other changes would have to either hold a public comment period or seek approval from the state attorney general. Quote, at a time when voting rights are under attack across the country, Virginia is expanding access to the ballot box, not restricting it. With the Voting Rights Act of Virginia, our Commonwealth is creating a model for how states can provide comprehensive voter protection that strengthens democracy and the integrity of our elections. I'm proud to support this historic legislation, and I urge Congress to follow Virginia's example. That's a quote from Northam today. The provision is very similar to Section 5 of the original Federal Voting Rights Act, which forced states with a history of segregation and racially targeted voter suppression laws to obtain approval from the Department of Justice before making any changes to voting laws and regulations or the administration of the elections. Virginia was one of the states under preclearance. But the Supreme Court hollowed it out after enforcement of Section 5 in a landmark decision in 2013, Shelby v. Holder effectively removing the protection across the country. 
Virginia's bill protecting and expanding access to voting comes at a time when Republican legislatures across the country have been seeking to erect new barriers to the ballot box. Georgia passed a law last week overhauling the state's election process with a host of new restrictions. And Texas, Arizona, Florida and other states are continuing efforts to pass similar bills. Governor Northam, a Democrat, said that he made minor technical adjustments to the bill, which was sponsored by Senator Jennifer McClellan and Delegate Marsha Price, two black lawmakers who are also Democrats. It is expected to be ratified by the state legislature when they reconvene April 7th for a final passage. On the other side, however, I mentioned Texas a minute ago. Senate Republicans cleared the way Thursday for new sweeping restrictions in Texas that take particular aim at forbidding local efforts meant to widen access. In an overnight vote, after more than seven hours of debate, the Texas Senate signed off on Senate Bill 7, which would limit extended early voting hours, prohibit drive-through voting, and make it illegal for local election officials to uh, proactively send applications to vote-by-mail voters, even if they qualify. That means you have to request it. The legislation is at the forefront of the Texas Republicans' crusade to further restrict voting in that state after last year's election. Although Republicans remain in full control of state government, Texas saw the highest turnout in decades in 2020, with Democrats continuing to drive up their vote counts in the state's urban centers and diversifying suburban communities, too. Like other proposals under consideration at the Texas Capitol, many of the restrictions in SB7 would target initiatives championed in those areas to make it easier for more voters to participate in elections. The bill, deemed a priority by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, now heads to the House for consideration after moving rapidly through the Senate. Just two weeks after it was filed, a Senate committee advanced it Friday. That approval followed more than five hours of public testimony, largely in opposition over concerns it would be detrimental to voters who already struggled to vote under the state's strict rules for elections. In Texas and nationally, Republican campaign is on to change voting rules in the name of election integrity, which was built largely on the big lie. More recently, Texas Republican lawmakers have attempted to reframe their legislative proposals by offering that even one instance of fraud undermines the voice of a legitimate voter. Um, Anyway, there was fierce opposition from Senate Democrats who took turns arguing the legislation would make just sweeping changes to um, address isolated and rare incidents of fraud at the expense of voting initiatives that were particularly successful in reaching voters of color. The bill originally limited voting hours from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., curtailing the extended hours offered last year in Harris County and other large counties where voting ran until 10 p.m. for several days to accommodate people like shift workers for whom regular hours don't work. The bill was rewritten when it reached the Senate floor to allow for voting only between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m., still restrictive. But those hours will still prohibit that day of 24-hour voting Harris County offered last November. The legislation would also outlaw drive-through voting set up at 10 polling places in the county for the general election. And while questioning uh, Hughes, the person who put forward this bill, Democratic State Senator Carol Alvarado of Houston, referenced an analysis by Harris County's election office that uh, estimated that black and Hispanic voters cast more than half of the votes counted both at drive-through sites and during extended hours. Knowing that, who are you really targeting, she asked. And he said, there's nothing in this bill that has to do with targeting specific groups. The rules apply across the board. Also, Georgia Republicans voted to strip Delta Airlines of a jet fuel tax break worth tens of millions of dollars Wednesday after the company U-turned to unequivocally condemn the state's widely criticized voting restrictions. And they're joining a growing list of executives who have criticized the new restrictions amid debate over boycotting Georgia's biggest companies. 
Republicans in Georgia's House of Representatives voted to revoke Delta's tax break, which is worth tens of millions of dollars a year. The move was in response to Ed Bastian, the CEO, when he condemned Georgia's controversial voting bill. He described it as unacceptable and not matching Delta's values. The bill, introduced toward the very end of the legislative session, was not taken up by the Senate before it adjourned and has not become law. Other news out of Georgia, though. Two government watchdog groups have filed a complaint with the FEC accusing Georgia Republicans and the G- Georgia Republican Party of illegally accepting in-kind contributions from True the Vote, a nonprofit that engaged in election-related activities around the Georgia Senate runoffs. True the Vote, a 501c3 based in Texas, has been active for over a decade. It has advocated for voting policy changes like voter ID laws and stricter voting regulations, organizing poll watching operations and suing jurisdictions over the state of their voter rolls, and often partnered with large well-known conservative organizations. In the complaint filed Wednesday morning, first obtained by Insider, Lawyers for the Campaign Legal Center Action and Common Cause Georgia accuse the Georgia GOP of unlawfully taking and then failing to properly report in-kind corporate contributions from the group in violation of the Federal Election Campaign Act. The FEC defines in-kind contributions as non-monetary contribution to benefit a campaign or committee. Federal law, however, bans corporations, including both for-profit and non-profit, from making such contributions to candidates or party committees or coordinating with them. And finally, Hillary Clinton has added her name to the chorus of top Democrats who believe it's time to get rid of the filibuster, specifically to pass bills related to voting rights. And we talked about this on Cleanup on Aisle 45 and this week on The Beans, that we could target just voting rights bills with the filibuster. The former New York senator, Hillary Clinton, argues that the filibuster, a rule that empowers the minority in the Senate by requiring 60 votes to move with legislation, should not get in the way of constitutional matters and specifically cites voting as one of those issues. Democrats have recently stepped up their campaign against the filibuster, arguing legislation in the Senate should be able to advance with a simple majority. The prospects of, you know, you know, those sort of core Democratic processes like voting. Um, The prospects on this happening, however, are low, given that multiple Senate Democrats are not sold on the prospect of ending the filibuster. Uh, Quote, the filibuster stands in the way of a lot of legislation and whether or not it can be reformed and amended or eliminated is what we will find out in the coming weeks. That's what Hillary said. She noted a push by Democrats to get rid of the Senate rule altogether when she was speaking about the filibuster. She said she continued on to say it certainly should be lifted for constitutional matters. And I would put election law matters at the top of that list. All right, we'll be right back after this quick break. Hang in there. We're almost through all the headlines, and then we'll be back with the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. For me, this time of year always means it's time for spring cleaning, getting my house in order, all that stuff. So if you want to get a head start, uh, try revisiting your home and auto insurance with Policy Genius. Policy Genius can help you kill two birds with one stone. You can compare home and auto insurance rates, and you can save up to $1,055 per year by reshopping. That is money you can put towards things you really care about, like maybe upcoming travel, or putting your kids through school, or buying a nice present for yourself. But here's how it works. First, head to policygenius.com, answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius will take it from there. They'll compare the rates for up to 30 top insurers from progressive to nationwide and find you the lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team will look at all the ways to maximize your savings too. 
including bundling your home and auto policies. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. It is no wonder that with that level of service, Policy Genius has earned a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. If you're worried that this year is flying by and you've barely gotten anything done, take a deep breath. Policy Genius will help you make the most of this month in minutes. Just reshop your home and auto insurance and you could save up to $1,055 a year. So head to policygenius.com and get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Everybody, welcome back. We got a few more headlines for you. Federal authorities have arrested Daniel Joseph Rodriguez, the 38-year-old Donald Trump fanatic who was identified as the man caught on camera assaulting a police officer during the U.S. Capitol insurrection on January 6th. Rodriguez was indicted on eight counts and arrested Wednesday, according to court records. Eight counts. Rodriguez was part of the mob that swarmed the D.C. Metro police officer Mike Fanone, who pleaded for his life and suffered a mild heart attack. Rodriguez can be seen in the video jabbing a small black device into Fanone's neck, causing the officer to drop to the ground before breaching the Capitol and trying to smash out a window. Rodriguez, 38, is the second person to be charged directly in connection with the attack on Fanon. Thomas Sibick was arrested March 12th in Buffalo, New York, on charges including obstruction of law enforcement during a civil disorder, assaulting or impeding officers, and taking a thing of value by force or intimidation. Sibick confessed to the FBI he had stolen Fanon's police badge and later buried it in his backyard. Also in some justice news today, local authorities said Wednesday they have filed three felony hate crime charges against 38-year-old Brandon Elliott in the brutal stomping of an elderly Asian-American woman, a case that could test the the efficacy of such statutes amid a national groundswell of concern over rising anti-Asian attacks. Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance said Elliott, a homeless black man on parole after serving 17 years in prison for killing his mother, told 65-year-old Vilma Kari, you don't belong here, before he launched the unprovoked attack in Midtown on Monday. Elliot faces two counts of second-degree assault and one count of attempted first-degree assault that could carry a maximum sentence of 25 years, as well as other punishments for violating his parole. The beating was captured on a lobby surveillance video from a condominium, which showed several onlookers failing to respond. One closed the lobby door as she lay just outside on the pavement. The assault caused widespread outrage as another in a rash of high-profile attacks on people of Asian descent, including the mass shooting in Atlanta that left six female Asian workers and two others dead in March. And the fatal assault also captured on video of an elderly Thai immigrant in San Francisco in February. The alleged assailants in those cases have not been charged with hate crimes, illustrating the complexities surrounding how such cases are handled. The charges against Elliott came a day after the Biden administration announced steps to respond to mounting pressure from Asian-American leaders, including an expedited 30-day internal review of the Justice Department aimed at bolstering the federal agency's tracking and prosecution of hate crimes and bias incidents. Other measures included reinstating a White House initiative on Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders and allocating nearly $50 million in new grants at the Department of Health and Human Services to assist survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault with new AAPI outreach. And finally, an op-ed from our friend Barb McQuaid on the trial of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd. She opens with, why aren't the lawyers objecting more? And that's, she says, that's a question I've been hearing since the trial of Derek Chauvin began Monday. The former Minneapolis police officer faces three homicide charges arising from the death of George Floyd in May. Other than an occasional objection when a witness interjects an opinion, lawyers have not jumped up to interrupt in testimony. Why not? Barb says the answer is that good lawyers stay out of the way of the evidence. She says in the movies and on TV, the lawyers who deliver the moments of drama with trick questions, eloquent speeches, and yes, objections, 
that's not really real life. In real life, lawyers' presentations are usually far less animated. That's because lawyers want the spotlight to be on the witnesses and the evidence. When deliberating, jurors will be tasked with weighing the facts. The judge will even tell them that what the lawyers say is not evidence. That does not mean the lawyer's role is unimportant. It's just that lawyers do most of their work before the trial begins. And once the trial is underway, they let the evidence speak for itself. The truth about trials is that lawyers serve more as choreographers than performers. And I think that's a really important um, observation by Barb. In the Chauvin trial, prosecutors no doubt have spent countless hours identifying all the potential witnesses and then interviewing them to whittle down to who will actually testify. They'll work to determine who makes the best narrators for what happened outside the cup food store. Some of the people that they talk to will never take the stand, perhaps because their testimony would merely duplicate that of other witnesses, or perhaps some witnesses did not see the events as well as, as, well as others or remember facts accurately or explain their recollections effectively. Prosecutors have assessed all those factors in deciding which witnesses to call. Barb continues by saying that the prosecutors have also reviewed all of the evidence, including video recordings from body-worn cameras, dashboard cams, nearby businesses, etc. From those many hours of recordings, the lawyers have identified the segments that they will show to the jury to explain what happened while keeping the presentation understandable and succinct. They have marked the recordings as well as other exhibits with numbers and stickers to keep track of them during the trial. And for appeal, she says. The defense team will also spend a great deal of time preparing for trial. Uh, this is the defense team now that will view all the evidence and witness statements and prepare to cross-examine uh, the the witnesses. And they might, you know, prepare those questions that may cause jurors to doubt the accuracy of their testimony. The defense will also conduct their own investigation, trying to identify other witnesses who might be able to testify about Chauvin's character or offer alternative causes of Floyd's death. Both legal teams have no doubt met in advance with all their witnesses to prepare them for testimony. When the lawyer and witnesses are on the same page, the trial testimony can be tightly focused on relevant issues and the jury's time can be used efficiently. Strategy is also a large part of the lawyer's work, especially before trial. Lawyers give a great deal of thought to things like theory of the case and the order and scope of witnesses. Lawyers follow the rule of primacy and recency. The first and last things jurors here are likely to stick with them. In the Chauvin case, the prosecution started the trial with Floyd's death and did not lead off chronologically with testimony about Floyd's visit inside the store. That part of the story came later. Instead, the prosecutors began with testimony from a police dispatcher who said for the first time in her career, she had called the police on the police because of what she observed and because it was so disturbing. In fact, she testified Chauvin's knee was on Floyd's neck for so long, she thought the video must have frozen. That kind of powerful testimony makes for a compelling start to the trial. Look for an equally strong witness to be called last. That's really interesting to think about. Prosecutors follow that witness with testimony from bystanders uh, with whom jurors could relate and and regular people who were going about their day. These witnesses were particularly effective because they're not aligned with either party. Their emotional testimony, sometimes interrupted by tears, reminded the jurors of the gravity of the loss of life. It wasn't until day three the prosecution went back to present testimony about Floyd's earlier transactions inside the store. And defense is using a strategy in cross-examination, though not always effectively, and I agree with Barb here. Rather than objecting repeatedly to the prosecution's questions, defense attorney Eric Nelson has asked witnesses questions focused on the anger of the crowd. He has also elicited from some witnesses their lack of medical training, likely to support his theory that Chauvin's conduct was not a substantial cause of Floyd's death. Now, Barb also has some thoughts on what she might have done differently. And you've heard my opinions uh, on this throughout the week uh, and on the Daily Beans and on Clean Up on L45. 
Barb says that she might second-guess a few of the strategic choices. For the prosecution, I would avoid playing videos of the police encounter with Floyd too many times, lest they lose some of their impact. And I would reduce the size of the prosecution team. Four lawyers, in contrast to Chauvin's one, creates an unfavorable David and Goliath impression that could turn off the jury. For the defense, I would refrain from asking all of the bystander witnesses questions about how angry they were. It seems less than plausible that a few people shouting warnings about Floyd's safety would have prevented him from noticing that he was dying. But each side is quietly laying the bricks to build their case. Please check out this piece by Barb. Barb McQuaid It was written for USA Today. It's called Lawyers Deliver Drama on TV, but Witnesses and Evidence Star in the Derek Chauvin Trial. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. I used to have a lucky charm I'd carry with me everywhere, but some meddling kids were always after it and ruined all my fun. These days, I keep my fun with me at all times in the form of my favorite mobile game called Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the top-rated puzzle adventure game and my good luck charm against boredom. The cool thing is you don't have to be a hardcore gamer to love this casual game, and I am definitely not a hardcore gamer. It is made for adults, but it's fun for all, unless you hate fun. Uh, Anyway, I love Best Fiends because it's a refreshing break from the daily insanity of the news and politics and meddling kids, but it still keeps my mind focused and active. For me, it's a great stress reliever, and it's part of my self-care routine, and I can focus on character collection and the puzzles to engage my brain. It's very strategic, and I have a lot of fun. The best thing is it doesn't require the internet, so I can play it anywhere at any time, and I don't have to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. I've been playing for over a year now. I'm still captivated by the increasingly challenging puzzles and the beautiful visual design. It's very relaxing. It is boredom's worst nightmare. There are literally thousands of levels to play and counting, plus tons of cute characters to collect. So if you never get tired of solving puzzles, good news. With Best Fiends, the fun never ends. Just don't blame me if you become slightly obsessed. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday. That means I am joined by Amy Carrero. Amy, how was your week? Hey, it was pretty good. Um, It went by really fast, you know, but also like very slowly, you know, Mm. quarantine. (laughs) Um, But we're getting there. It feels like also, wait, there's a lot of news. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's been a lot of news. You must be tired. Are you tired? I am. I'm a little sleepy and I was at the dentist today. So we'll see if I am able to speak properly. (laughs) (laughs) Am I able to speak speak properly? properly? Throughout this uh, good news segment, we don't, I don't know. I know. Well, what's crazy is that like when you go to the dentist, I don't know about you, but I find myself tensing up. Like even when they're not doing anything that I'm scared of, I find myself like arching my back in a weird way, which makes one, which can make one very tired later. So Mm -hmm. I don't blame you for being exhausted. Yeah. The whole thing is, is really tiring. And then I had my, I had a deep cleaning today. Yeah. And they did the whole mouth at oh, once. Oh, shit. So your gums just feel like somebody sparred with them. Yeah. And, you know, usually you do quadrants so or halvesies, right? So right. you come in and, and uh, but they did the whole thing today. So I'm, my whole entire mouth was. Oh, was man. None. So you're like, you can take it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you can do it. Yay. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to knock it out in one visit. But uh 
I don't know if that was such a good idea. <laughs> well, you'll just sound like kind of wasted, which, you know, isn't the worst thing. Yeah, that's cool. So everybody, if, especially if you play this at half speed, it's probably going to be really funny. So I'm Oh, just, that's really funny. Okay, I love it. recommend that. All right, we do have good news, confessions, corrections. We have some stuff for Amy's court. And uh, if you have anything you want to send in, whether it's good news or you want to play What the Mutt or... Uh, misheard song lyrics, or you have a dispute that needs to be settled in Amy's court, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. All right. I am going to kick us off and see if I'm able to read here. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to be listening so closely. <laughs> I know, and I'm on a little bit of pain medication too, so hoo-hoo. All right. Hoo-hoo-hoo. First up, from, hey, the news has to go out, okay? <laughs> the news doesn't sleep. <laughs> First up from Anna. Greetings, Beans Queens. Good news. We're in Rockhampton against the odds. Okay, that probably requires a bit of explanation. We live in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Last year, my partner entered his car in the Rocky Nats. That's a street car show competition. COVID struck and the competition was moved to Easter 2021. This week, Brisbane was put uh, into a three-day snap lockdown oh yeah because there were four cases of community transmission and there were fears in the lockdown the lockdown would be extended over easter we woke up to the news that the lockdown was being lifted at noon today so we drove the eight hours to rockhampton so we could go through scrutineering uh good friday morning and my darling man is able to enter his car in the competition that should have been judged july 2020 Masks on in Queensland for everyone uh, for a fortnight, but with one positive test for over 35,000 tests conducted yesterday, I think we're doing okay. Anna's just showing off now. I mean, this is kind of amazing. Four people had community spread and they were like, we're not dealing with this bullshit. Lock your asses down. And like, how great. I, I want to go. I want to go to Australia. I know. Me too. Me too. <sighs> I've never been. Oh, man. It is truly, I think, my favorite, favorite place I've ever been. Ever, 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 ever. I could live there if they'd have me. I would love to be there forever. <laughs> um, that's so cool. Well, congrats to you and congrats to yo man. Um, and break a leg or good luck, whatever they say in the car racing world community. Um, Okay, next up, we got Natalie, pronouns she, her. I have good news and a confession. Good news first. I moved to a new place during COVID, and it's been hard to get to know people while staying distance, but taking my dog to our building's dog park has helped me get to know some of my neighbors. I've made two great friends this way, and we all now have been vaccinated, and we'll soon be able to, yeah, we'll soon be able to hang out indoors um, of just, instead of just at the park with masks on. It's a small thing but really makes me feel more at home at this new place. My confession is that I got my dog, Jed, a DNA test (laughs) so that I could submit him for what the mutt. Okay, I'm obsessed (laughs) with this. Many people think my dog is still a puppy because he's pretty small, 40 pounds, oh, cute, but he's fully grown at 2.5 years old. We adopted him from Thailand from an amazing rescue called Soy Dog, S-O-I, uh, the Soy Dog Foundation that helps rescue and rehabilitate severely abused and injured dogs. Our boy was a street dog who came to the rescue after being stabbed in the shoulder. Mm. Uh, he's not fully recovered and is a total sweep. <gasps> oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It looks like he has a heart, like, right? What is that on, on the front legs? Yeah. Oh. That is, the markings are so pretty. So pretty. Gosh. All right. So we have to guess. Okay. Oof, I'm 40 pounds. Okay. I, I, how about a German Shepherd? How about 
Aussie, yeah, Aussie German Shepherd, or maybe maybe that's Roddy. Oh yeah, uh-huh. uh, that's Rottweiler marking. Yes, you're so right, Rottweiler, uh, and like uh, a a cattle dog or an Aussie or something. Yes. Okay. Let's see. How do we do? Breed answer. Thai Ridgeback, Chinese Sharpay, and Chow Chow. What? what? With another chunk being unidentifiable herding mix. Okay. The rescue told us he thought they thought he was a German Shepherd slash lab mix. So it looks like they were wrong. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. We would have never. I would have never guessed those. So were we? But I, you know, there is a, a an unidentified herding breed in there, which is probably that cattle dog Aussie that I was yes. seeing. Yes. Yes. But I would have never guessed Sharpay, Chow, and never, Ridgeback. Where do you get never. those markings? Don't don't know. That is interesting. Well, we love it. We love to see it. And congrats on your new community, vaccinated community. How exciting! Mm-hmm. And this dog, this super long legs, very adorable. Super so cute. Okay, next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. I recently discovered that for an unknown amount of time, possibly years, I unintentionally have been listening to all my podcasts no. at point nine times speed. <laughs> I thought the host spoke really slowly. Nope, she has a normal voice. And after years of listening to the Daily Beans at ninety percent speed, the theme song now sounds weirdly fast. <laughs> oh my god! Also, I'm slightly disappointed to be going through the shows ten percent faster. That's about five minutes of quarantine entertainment I now have to come up with. You can set it back. Set it back. Set it back. How? Wait. So it does. Do Ag's voice sound now? Does it sound higher? I wonder. I mean, ten percent. I guess is it that. Like, I don't know. Is that enough to make your voice sound, like, much higher than the register? I think it's probably pretty subtle. Right, right. Know? Okay, I was going to say. That's really that's really <laughs> interesting. Maybe Anonymous thought, like, you just talk like this. <laughs> but if you listen to it at half speed, the, the voice doesn't necessarily get lower. You just sound really drunk. Oh, I love that. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. We should try an experiment where one day we actually are really drunk. And then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Or then or talk really fast. Oh, yeah. I think that's what they did with them when they do the chipmunks. Yeah. Or maybe they talk really f- fast and then they... No. They talk really slow and then they, they, they speed them up. Anyway, that's not interesting, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think, you know, voiceover stuff. I mean, that's like, you know, what you do. Listen, you may not know this, but I did star in the cinematic triumph... Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwell, if you didn't know it. I did not know that. Who were you in the Squeakwell? Well, there you go. I just played a, a person. I, I played a live one of the live action humans. Mm. And it was it was very uh what a way to get what a way to introduce myself to the world of um showbiz. Uh <laughs> but they really liked me and then they invited me years later, like a decade later, I went to their um Hollywood star like Hall of uh, Star on the Walk of Fame uh like ceremony how sweet is that yeah yeah so i i left a mark um okay uh next up we got edwin pronouns he him el uh hello beans queens i have an affirmation and a pet tax payment i want to give an affirmation to amy oh thank you every time she says that english is not her first language i feel so represented i smile every time i also grew up speaking spanish and as hard as i've worked on my english i have accepted that i will always have an accent and it is indeed okay to sometimes pronounce things in different ways the um, the point of language is communication i keep telling myself i love hearing all of your beautiful accents thank you very 
much. Next time someone writes in like, I made a beautiful salmon today or last night, <laughs> um, I'll make sure to really hit the L. Um, attached are two photos of my sweet dog Mar- Merlin, who passed away, oh, who passed away a couple weeks ago. It's been difficult to mourn his death, especially since I wasn't able to go home to be with my family to say goodbye to him due to the pandemic and some draconian immigration rules that were set in place by the former guy. But hearing about other people's pets and your reactions to all their cute pet photos has been really helpful. Thank you for all that you do. This podcast is part of my daily routine, and I appreciate each one of you. Baby baby bug oh what a sweet wow what a beautiful dog so soft right so soft and the eyes are just so beautiful oh edwin i'm so sorry for your loss i i'm so sorry there's not truly i i just i i would not wish that horrible horrible anguish on anybody it's just the worst to lose a pal like this so i'm so sorry yeah, thanks for sending the pictures in, though. What a beautiful dog. Uh, hmm. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns he and him. Hey, first I want to thank you, ladies, for MSW, which I have followed since the kitchen days, as well as Daily Beans and the new cleanup on aisle 45. Even as a UK resident, it has been a joy to follow the decline and fall of the previous incumbent and live in hope of a similar house cleaning to remove Johnson and the conservatives in due course. Yes. yes. Good news. After my business was bled to death over 18 months by the currency collapse post-Brexit referendum and a subsequent period of enforced non-work due to mental health issues, as well as legal and COVID-19 screwing everything up ones, uh, I got work as a tester on a COVID test site. Cool. (laughs) After a couple weeks, I got offered a site manager role. Whoa. And now several months in, I'm leading the community testing effort from my home county where we use lateral flow tests to help people stay safe and give them tests to take home. Having work has meant so much. My wife is a star and has been uh, has had a, uh, a busy time as a psychotherapist. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But caught COVID somehow um, oh. some months and now is struggling with long COVID. Oh, oh long haulers. I feel so bad. Uh, being in well-paid employment means she can take time off to look after her health without the pressure to earn and pay bills. From from where I was to now, it feels like I've managed to strap on a pair and step up for a two from a two after a too long hiatus. Keep up the good work. I am deeply envious of Mr. Torres, who gets to spend so much time interacting <laughs> with you amazing ladies. <laughs> but I'll settle for my daily fix. I enclose a pet tax of our new puppy, Buddy. Aww. I'm sure you'll guess the breed with a plum. So sure, in fact, that I'm not even including the answer. Oh, my God. Oh, man, I really can't. Little Buddy. What a miss. Look at the hand too. Look how tiny. So so Aww. teeny tiny. Um. Okay. Okay. It's time to guess. B- a black lab. <laughs> I don't know. It's a poodle. Oh, for God's sake! I listen. I'm terrible at this. I'm honestly surprised. I don't that, like, know. Oh, you think it was poodle? I don't know. I think it's. I think it looks like a schnoodle. It looks like a teacup poodle. Is what it looks. You're like right. Me, but you're right because it has a little curly. It has a little curly little bit mm-hmm. to. The fr- oh man, I'm so sorry, anonymous. We totally don't know what the dog breed is. Please tell us, or or Portuguese water dog, maybe. Or yeah, Portuguese you you got to tell dog. us. That's you how good we us. are at this. Even the obvious ones, you have to tell us. We're really bad, and I have no uh, excuse because I I don't own any cats, so it's not like I I like know all about cats either. So it's just it's really very sad. 
Okay, next up, Amy's courtesan session. Dun dun. Da-dun. Two matters <laughs> on the docket. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, from Allison, pronouns she, her. Hello, beans, queens, and leguminati. If it pleases the court, as a licensed cosmetologist, I would like to submit the following testimony as a potential expert witness for the recent Amy's Court Dung Dung case <laughs> of Cut V Trim episode got to hug a nurse Friday, uh, March 26. Your judgment that a trim is two inches or less, a haircut is anything more than two inches, makes sense and is what I would call colloquially true. However, it is not what I would call a technically slash fully slash professionally correct. Oh, not what I would call technically slash fully slash professionally correct. When a client requests a trim, yes, the expectation by your stylist is two or less inches of length may be removed and the general style of hair be maintained slash refreshed. But we know people use all sorts of cosmetological words very differently. We hear it all day, every day. So as you mentioned, people shouldn't worry. Any stylist worth half a scissor will consult you to make sure they know exactly what you are really looking for. And while the general assumption of your judgment seems correct on the surface, it is not the full picture of trim versus haircut. Mm. A trim, okay, I can't wait to get to the truth. A trim is technically not a different thing from a cut. It's kind of an all squares or rectangles, but not all rectangles or squares situation, unless you're just talking about a bang trim. It is a misconception that a trim is less work for your stylist than a haircut. It is not easier to just trim it. A client's entire head must still be gone through, that's true, every section carefully cut to the client's desired length, blended and styled according to artistic vision and client specification mm. learned that learned through that consultation okay this this seems this seems complicated mm. uh, this is a generally similar process for most scissor based services no matter whether you are cutting off one inch or one foot of hair clippers razors etc being different processes altogether and that doesn't even count a wash massage styling product mm-hmm. knowledge or all other things a stylist may bring even to quote just a trim service some places do offer trims at a lower price but this is not because it's less work it's because it encourages you the client to be a more frequent customer and on balance that's better for the business as far as your stylist is concerned however a trim is a whole haircut it's a type of haircut request like a mullet or a chelsea or a bob all have variations but these terms are used to help the stylist define the type of haircut you desire mm. this is this is great actually i really appreciate this i hope this makes sense and will remind folks out there that your stylists are working hard to make sure you look good if you request a trim and the prices below a haircut price tip how you would for a full haircut price hell tip extra because you know they're they're getting less commission for the same work please be kind to them while in the chair and follow all safety guidelines even if they are more restrictive than your state slash city regulations it's an especially hard and anxiety inducing job working so close to other people's faces in a pandemic and most of us are still playing catch up from forced time away from our main source of income i thank the 
court for considering this testimony and look forward to your thoughts after hearing this additional information. True. And Amy, I think, you know, I I, I had been saying like, uh, you know, um, we, we talked about a dusting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. talked about um, that, you know, the trim was kind of just maintaining the haircut you have yes. just to, you know, take it up. But that still means you have to do the cut. So if you come in and you had a really complex bob right. and you ask for a trim, it's a complex haircut. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also, and this is not something that I thought about when I like, you know, opened my mouth and all that crap came out last week was that, um, you know, restraint probably is harder. Like it's probably harder to be like, okay, they just said they wanted the dusting. I have to also make sure I'm not taking off too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it would seem easier to me, but again, I, I have no skills in this department to be like taking off a foot of length rather than taking off like a half an inch or an inch. So yeah. maybe a trim is just even like more specialized people. Yeah. It's yeah, it could even be harder. Um, Wow. All right. Well, and I think that the uh, important lesson here is, hey, respect the rules, wear a mask, tip fat. I don't think we have to tell any anyone who listens to this podcast to do that. But true. Good information to have. Nonetheless, finally, uh, another submission for Amy's court. Dung, dung. The people v. Cleo. Also people. (laughs) From Matt, he, him. Beans Queen, sitting here the day after the second COVID shot, oh. not feeling too bad. Oh, good. Nice. Nice. And was thinking about the dispute I have with my kitty, Cleo. <laughs> about a year ago, I woke up in the middle of the night to her drinking out of my cup of water on my <laughs> nightstand. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. That's cute. Ever since, she thinks she's people and refuses to share the water dish with her brother, Thor, the Chewini. Please help me solve this dispute uh, that she's a kitty and not a people. Oh, oh, yeah. man. I don't know. She looks like a people to me. But here's the problem, because eventually, if it's a if it's a cup on your nightstand with water and the water level is really low and they have to stick their head in there, they will oh. knock that off the thing. And if you have wood floors like I do, you can't just wait until the morning nope. to wipe it up. Nope. So you got to be careful with that. My my <laughs> hardcore have had cats my whole life recommendation is don't leave glasses of water on your nightstand. Get one of those um, water bottles that you yes. like take to the gym that has a top on it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe a sippy cup. A sippy you know? cup. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I, yeah, I agree. Like the, in the universe that we live in, which is reality, I agree with everything you've just said. <laughs> However, there is a picture of this cat with a hat on and he, the cat looks like people to me. Yeah, it does. It looks so, like people. So I'm just saying, like, maybe on maybe on the cat's birthday, we put a little cup of water out, and we just make sure that it's filled to the brim so that, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, maybe on a special occasion, because it's real cute. I'm not going to lie. But if a cat's thirsty, they, they will drink out of the bowl with the Chewini. That's true. That's true. If there's no other available source of water. Yep. But this, just uh, all, all aside. Your cat is adorable. Adorable. Look at those eyeballs. Love it. It's so cute. Uh, All right, everyone. Thanks for sending in your good news. Amy, thank you for being with me today. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. And thank you for uh, putting up with my weird dental mouth issues. You sound great. Well, thank you very much. I just, I'm so off my game. I have to do the whole the whole show now and it's going to be really interesting to <laughs> see how luck. the news turns out i know <laughs> it might be more entertaining i mean if you do the if you give a matt gates update and the words just get more slurred i mean the better mm-hmm. well that's kind of appropriate yes so. exactly 
All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? I hope everybody has a great weekend. And it, uh, this was a great little uh, good news section. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Yeah. March is over. It's April. Yep. We're coming out. Light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody. Over this weekend, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh my God, A.G. I so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. You're like, what? Keeps the rain like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What, was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god! The best I, I love. I love their. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.